Welcome to the Cathedral Library Bible Podcast. I'm Rob Steele. And I'm Jordan Duncan. And our desire with this podcast is to show you how easy and enjoyable it is to come to Scripture and walk away having heard the words of God and being changed by them. Amen. Welcome back, everybody, to the Cathedral Library Podcast. Uh, I'm Rob Steele. I'm Jordan Duncan. Uh, It's good to be back here with you. And uh, if you've been following along with us, you know that we are following through the Gospel of Mark and we are just reading the scriptures plainly uh, and then coming and talking about it. And this is the whole goal of this is to show you how easy it is to get into the scriptures and to allow uh, Jesus to open your heart to his story and for God to reveal himself to you through the scriptures. So Jordan and I have just been sitting here reading. We read uh, Mark 9, verse 30, right through uh, chapter 10, verse 31. Uh, There's a lot in here. And so we're in for either a really good one, a really boring one, (laughs) (laughs) or a really dense one. Uh, And hopefully uh, it's none of the above except for the good. Let's go with the good. Uh, Okay. Mark 9, 30. We'll start there. Um, So we have uh, transfiguration happened. Uh, Jesus plainly tells his death and resurrection back in chapter 8, at the end of chapter 8. And really what's happening is in verse 30, we see that come around again. And so the transfiguration happens after uh, Jesus explains his death and resurrection plainly. He calls people to follow him in the same way. He heals a boy with an unclean spirit. Uh, talking about um, last time we talked about how that sounded like a prayer between uh, God and and man, this Jesus and the dad having this conversation. Um, and it ends in verse 29 with Jesus telling his disciples that you can't drive this kind of uh, spirit out with anything but prayer. And then it jumps into verse 30 and it says that they passed on through Galilee. And once again, Jesus goes into the plain explanation of he's going to die at the hands of men uh, and then he's going to rise again in three days. Uh, I love how when I read that, it sounds like he is saying it so clear. I'm going to (laughs) die and three days later, I'm going to rise again. And he's, he's saying the son of man, but we have to remember uh, they know who the Son of Man is. This is yeah. like in the previous chapter and in chapter 8, they've already confessed that this is him. So when he says the Son of Man will die, they know he's talking about himself at this yeah. point. Um, and yet, it says they did not understand uh, because this is so far outside of the box of what they're expecting that even the plain reading over and over and over again, the plain explanation is not hitting home. What I love is it says that they're afraid to ask him. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, hilarious. Hilarious. What do you, you got any thoughts on that before I keep going? I just going? picture them all nodding and smiling. <laughs> like, uh-huh. That's uh, what I was doing while I was reading this text. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. They, uh, they did not understand the saying. I, <laughs> there's a lot in this passage I don't understand. I think I understand that part. <laughs> yeah, That's the enough. part I'm like, I think I get it. Fair enough. Um, but I mean, it, it, we have hindsight, yes, <laughs> which yes. they don't. Um, in some so, respects, it's amazing to see how much Jesus has changed. Like Christianity is so well known that the idea to tell someone that someone is going to die in three days rise again, isn't foreign. 
Yeah. Because it's not even just about Jesus anymore. This is in like movies. This yeah. is in, right? This, this concept of a hero or a savior yeah. or someone passing away and coming back to life in power is everywhere. It's now an overused trope in, exactly. in the way we tell stories. Yeah. And if you're like me, we'll look up trope together later. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's probably, yeah. I listen to a lot of movie and TV podcasts. I think that's where I got that word from. I know what it means. I just, okay. uh, I, it's funny because I would never I ever use that word. I couldn't define it for you. <laughs> oh, so good. Okay, so in verse 33 then, uh, they go on to Capernaum. Um, I love Jesus in this one. Oh, what were you guys discussing along the way? Uh, as if also really funny. Yeah, as if he didn't know. And they don't say a word. So now... <laughs> Instead of nodding and smiling and shaking their head, now they're panicking and not saying anything. For they had ar- argued with one another about who was the greatest. Exactly. I love so that. So ashamed of themselves. So ashamed. Um, so then he calls them together. And so in, in verses 30 through 32, he does what he did at the end of Mark 8, where he tells of his death and resurrection. In verses 30 uh, through 35, he says again, kind of what he does again at the end of Mark 8, by saying, you realize you have to be a servant of all if you're going to be great. Uh, Mm -hmm. And he once again, he doesn't use the word suffering. He doesn't talk about taking up your cross. But being a servant of all in that day and age, um, it would be more clear if we said, you must be a slave to every living person. Hmm. That's in our day and age, that sounds horrific, but yeah. that would make sense to us. Yeah. Servant of all is so Christianized in our understanding that it it's lost some impact, I think at least. Um, I could read servant of all and I could think a really nice person. Yeah. Someone who loves. Oh, uh, yeah. Compassionate. He really serves a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Really empathetic person. Yeah. Behind the scenes person. Exactly. I think that really is saying uh, to be like a slave to every person. Um, Yeah. That that's what he's telling them. And so when they're talking about greatness, he doesn't actually even say, you know, greatness is terrible. He says, you realize like to be first, to be the greatest, this is what that looks like in my kingdom. And he says something that's, Sounds like taking up your cross. That sounds like suffering. So it, to me, these first few verses, it's like he's redoing. Rewriting. What, rewriting. There you go. Yeah, we used that in the last one. Uh, he's, he's rewriting again what they believe about greatness, what they believe about the kingdom, what they believe about Jesus. Uh, and he's bringing glory. Glory. Yeah. This is all the stuff that came up in our last podcast, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So again, reading the Bible, you got to find a friend to do that with them. Like, cause I read this passage and this, uh, it keeps happening. I go, Oh no. Like I was like, this is bad idea. We should just stop these podcasts here. Blame it on SoundCloud going down and say, sorry guys, we couldn't finish them because of whatever. Cause I did not want to go through. I was, I was terrified to start talking about these things cause I'm not really sure yeah. about them. Yeah. And then Rob starts just giving the introduction and saying, here's kind of where it's starting. And it's, he says it's about rewriting. They think it's about greatness and glory. 
And really it's about, you know, being a servant of all. And I'm like, oh, now that you just kind of give it a thesis statement or right. an overall overview, or like I said last time, you pull out, you take a step back and pull out some themes. Yeah. I'm already starting to see, I didn't take my advice from last podcast, <laughs> which we just recorded <laughs> 10 minutes ago. <laughs> no, we which didn't. Was, I, oh, it was what? weeks ago. That's why we didn't notice. <laughs> but I said, I get caught up in the little things and the questions of there, and I need to take a step back, look at the themes, what is the overall, what's the overall message he's saying? And I think all of these things that I'm confused about will tie together with mm. that. He's rewriting what they think greatness looks like. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's go into this. Now I'm not afraid. (laughs) Good. That sounds great. Um, And once again, just so everybody's clear, I said something I don't know that I said uh, all over again. So (laughs) this is, I just talk and I guess once in a while Jordan pulls something good from it and uh, then he makes sense of it all. Um, Okay. So then we're into verse 35 and he sits down and he calls them together. As we said, servant of all. Verse 36, he takes a child, puts him in the midst of them. Uh, this, is a really, this was a really interesting part to me, I thought. It really jumped out to me. Um, takes him in his arms, says, whoever receives one child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. So he's talking about God, right? So that's the clarity there is that he's talking about God. So uh, as we would know, God the Father What's really interesting to me is that this isn't the point where he's saying, in order to receive the kingdom, you're going to have to act like a child or you need to think like a child or he's saying something slightly different here. Mm. He's saying, if you receive a child in my name, you receive me. And if you receive me, you receive the father. What really impacted me was I thought like, because because it comes where it comes and it's in the same train of thought mm-hmm. as who's the greatest servant of all, slave of all. I think he's not only rewriting their idea of the greatness of themselves, but he's rewriting the greatness of the, the kingdom and him within it by saying this. Because in some respects, it's almost like when Peter pulls him aside and says, no, Lord, that can't happen to you. It's almost like he's saying, and don't worry. If you become a slave to every person, I will see that you're the greatest. And if that, if they receive you in my name, acting like that, then they get me. Hmm. You're not belittling me. You're not lowering the standard. You're not, and this is, maybe it impacts me this way because it's kind of our day and age in the church, right? Is that we, we want to make Jesus look good. Yeah. And so we want it to be trendy. We want it to be cool. We want it to be powerful. And if we're not doing those things, then we're not showing the world who Jesus really is, right? This idea. And I think actually Jesus is undoing that here and going, actually, if this little kid comes to you without wisdom, without knowledge, and as, a, as a little kid does, and you receive him in my name, you get me. And so you should act like this little kid. And when people receive you, they get me. I just think in some respects they could say, but we don't want to belittle you. Look at all the great things you do, Jesus. And he goes, no, no, this is, I'm asking you to do this. I'm asking you to be like this because that's how they get me. And that's how they get the father. And so he's still doing the like chain of command, right? Like in the sense of the one who is sent when they're received, they get the one who's did the sending and all of those things in it. But it's something just hit me where I thought, 
oh, I don't have to make Jesus look good. Like, I don't have to, like, be powerful in order to show that Jesus is powerful. Hmm. I need to be a servant of all because that's what he's asked me to be. Mm -hmm. And when I do that, if that looks weak and it looks feeble and people say, I receive you in the name of Jesus, they get Jesus. Right. That's what he wants. So anyways, for that me, that great. was, that was an interesting one. <clears throat> That's a great little connection there. Um, yeah. And I think in that sense, it's also, so you flip, flip around what you're saying instead of, Hmm, does this work? Well, let's go with it. Instead of you being the, uh, the servant or the child that people are receiving, look at it the other way. Cause I think he's also maybe rewriting their opinion of what it means to follow Jesus, mm -hmm. follow God, mm -hmm. Yahweh mm -hmm. of Israel. Um, is it the powerful? So, uh, maybe in the sense of who's on the trajectory of, of good, who's going to end up in the kingdom? Yeah. What does it mean to enter the kingdom? Uh, the, okay. I, sorry. I think I know where you're going and okay, that already yeah. makes me excited because that actually, again, makes sense of everything we're about to read. Yeah. So I maybe so. finish your thought. Cause I, I well, haven't let anyone else hear what your thought is. <laughs> yeah. So I think the thought then is, uh, there's a lot of talk at this time of who's in, who's out yeah. of God's people. Yeah. And Jesus comes and talks about God's people in terms of uh, God's kingdom. Yeah. And so he says, now the kingdom is here. Who's going to be the people of that kingdom? And you'd assume, well, it's the, the, the faithful Israelites yeah. or the righteous ones. And yeah. there's a lot of debate on, well, what makes a faithful Israelite or yeah. righteous Israelite, um, and that's why you have all these sects of Pharisees, Sadducees, Zealots, um, the people out doing the Dead Sea Scrolls, and then your everyday Israelite trying to just keep their head above the water. Yeah. Um, and he, and they're trying to figure out who's in, who's out, who's who. When the time comes and God brings His kingdom, who's going to be in it? Yeah. Um, and Jesus is starting to rewrite that and saying, "Well, the first will be." Um, if you want to be first in the kingdom, you're going to have to be last. That means you have to be a servant. So yeah. a slave, yeah. you go, okay, so slaves, like people who, or at least people who act like a slave to yeah. all, yeah. they're going to be in the kingdom. It's not the people sitting in rich ruling yeah. thrones. Yeah. Um, it's like the children. Yeah. It's not these, because especially in that day, children were, you weren't really a person. You didn't have rights. Totally. Even until you hit your, you know, bar mitzvah or whatever. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and so it's people who, he's giving rights to people who don't have rights. Rights in the kingdom for slaves who don't have rights. And first, first rights. Like, he's mm. giving them the authority, right? So he's talking about greatness again. Yeah. So not only is it like, well, they'll get in. It's like, oh, really compassionate, empathetic Jesus lets these people without any rights and unimportant people in. That's beautiful. Well, he does, he does way more than that. Hmm. He says, well, if you want in, you have to be like them. Yeah. Not just, I'll let them in at the end. They're the ones that get in. They are the greatest. Mm. 
which again makes complete sense of everything we're about to go into. I think so. Okay, so let's continue on. Verse 38, uh, John comes to him, talks about someone who's casting out a demon uh, in Jesus' name. Um, but they're once again concerned with, but he's not following us. Yeah. He's not here. And Jesus says, a little again, rewriting, going, uh, well, hold on. Why would you want to stop someone that's doing something in my, ma- my name for the good of people, serving them, blessing them, doing those things in my name? Why would we stop them? Because they're not walking around with us. Mm-hmm. They're not a part of the in group. Why would we stop what they're doing? Um, because, he, and then he says, for the one who is not against us is for us. Uh, and then goes on to talk about, you know, not losing your reward if you take care of someone in his name. Um, so just, again, the disciples not still not getting this in and out, this who gets to, who doesn't get to, why does this person get to, who's greatest, can we stop them, they shouldn't be doing this. Uh, it's once again, like slowing down or stopping or trying to create a division between yeah yeah and and he's rewriting who's who's in and who's out yeah which again so this one raises some questions for me that i i don't know if i have answers to i hope you do um (laughs) i answer i ask the question (laughs) (laughs) they uh how frustrated would they have been? Because they yeah. just tried casting a demon and it didn't work. Yeah. And then someone who's not even a part of them is going around just trying it. Yeah. And it's working. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to make of that. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't have any answers on that, but you know what it reminds me of? Hmm. It reminds me of the complaint of John the Baptist's disciples when Jesus starts baptizing. Okay, yeah. They come and they say, John, this guy that you baptized, him and his followers are now baptizing. They're not doing it under you. And all these people are going to them instead of coming to you. And Jesus goes, and why would that be bad? I only did this in order to make the way for him, right? I think in some respects... You mean John says that? John says that. Yeah. Sorry, I don't know what I said. Jesus. Oh, yeah. John says that. Yeah. Um, it's a great interaction. You can see the, the anger, the, all of this stuff. And even in that moment, John the Baptist's disciples have just gone through a fight with another Jew to argue for John. And while they're having that argument, they're watching all the people leave John and go to Jesus. Right? So, yeah. again, it's this, like, jilted disciple. Mm. It's kind of, it just reminds me of that, a jilted disciple and Jesus is going, but it's in my name. Yeah. So he's, he's saying, so you want him to do what you've had to do. You've wanted him to learn the way that you had to learn. You wanted him to, you want to hold him back for the sake of you still being above. Mm-hmm. Why? All he's doing is doing it in my name. Yeah. That's all that, it seems like that's all that matters. And so he d- explains that. There's good reward in this. Someone does these things in my name. Yeah. He's for us. So let's receive him like that. Yeah. The way Jesus talks about him makes it sound like he's, he's someone who's 
curious about following Jesus yeah. and is just trying it out. Yeah. Because he says, um, no one who who essentially tries out casting demons in my name will soon be able afterward to then speak evil of me. It's yeah. like if he tries me out, he isn't going to discover it works and then he's in. Yeah. And so it's, again, maybe rewriting who we think is in and out. Because we go, that guy's not really in. Yeah. He's just playing along. And Jesus goes, well, let him play along. He'll find out it works. Yeah. <laughs> and then he'll want in. It's true. Well, that's good. It, it again, it also actually makes me think about Paul. Hmm. Right? They have this guy who's doing the stuff, not oh, with yeah. them, yeah, yeah. didn't come their way. Yeah. And they've already been taught this lesson. Hmm. So why can they offer him the right hand of fellowship? Well, because they've already taught this lesson. They've been taught this lesson from Jesus. Mm. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. It really opens up. Who? It, it takes our judgment out. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Because he goes... It, you know, we go, is, this, is that person for Jesus? Are they all in? And Jesus goes, well, if they're not against me, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then cut them some slack at least maybe. <laughs> let, yeah. let, the, uh, let them be in the middle ground for a bit because yeah. try things out. They will probably find out that they like this. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm pretty good. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I like it. Um, so we jump out of that. Or can I move on into yes, the next section? Uh, into verse 42. This is, this is one of the most well-known beginning sections. And then the end section, we're going to have Jordan do uh, an explanation <laughs> on. Um, just talking about... Um, now, the likelihood, the language makes it sound like there must be a, the child must still be present or there must be a child present, uh, talking mm-hmm. about little ones who believe in me, uh, talking about leading children into sin. Uh, it would be better to have a millstone hung around your neck and thrown into the sea. Um, really interesting description then moving forward. He, he essentially just says it's better to go into eternity without a foot or an eye or whatever it else it is that has been causing you to sin. Get rid of anything causing you to sin because it's not worth losing eternal life. That's his whole point here. Um, and then just does a really interesting thing that Jordan's going to explain to us at the bottom there in verses 49 through 50, where he says, for everyone will be salted with fire. Uh, verse 50, salt is good, uh, but if the salt has lost its saltiness, how will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. Um, so as I said before, we're all going to listen intently as Jordan explains this oh my to goodness. us. <laughs> yeah, this is one of those parts that I'm like, I don't have a clue. I have even more questions than you even <laughs> explained there. Like this passage about uh, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Um, I mean, this is... a based on what I've been told um, and maybe not by necessarily reliable sources, but the, so the picture we have of Pharisees is that they read the law and then said, okay, these are the things we're not allowed to do. And then they put fences around those things so that they didn't even get close to committing those breaking the law. Yeah. 
Um, and Jesus comes to free us from, uh, you know, the, the yoke of the Pharisees yeah. and his burden is light. And then this, I read this and I go, that sounds like what I would imagine the Pharisees were supposed <laughs> to be saying, <laughs> supposedly. <laughs> like, uh, don't even go near sin. Yeah. Like if, if there's any, if there's a road to it, just, just cut that off. Like take a whole step back from what's wrong. So you don't even get close to it. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. I want to keep changing that, but it's true. It does sound like that. Is there an alternative though? Well, am I, I, am I, I think, reading it from a slant? <laughs> well, that's the thing. I keep wanting to change that alternative and then going, Oh no, I don't know. <laughs> um, I think ultimately, cause he's talking about eternal life. And I think what he does with the Pharisees a lot of times is to explain that there's grace for sin. Mm. And so there's forgiveness for sin. But he's talking about if this is causing you to sin in order to lose eternal life, right? So because that's his point in each one. Okay. In order to enter into eternal life, it's better to enter into eternal life without a hand than to not enter into eternal life, right? So he's not just talking about a sin. Mm -hmm. He's talking about something that will actually remove you from eternity. That's what it sounds like to me as I read it at least. And so I think that there is... um, but, but that is hard. And I, I think that, you know, the, the yoke of the Pharisees is that they were saving themselves by putting these things up around them. And I think that it doesn't mean that there isn't work for us to do or that there isn't effort for us to put in or there isn't fleeing from sin that we're supposed to do or whatever those things are. Um, those are all good and right, but, but it's not that you can actually save yourself in the end, that you have to do both, rely on grace, but also flee from sin. And so I, I, like I said, I keep wanting to change it, but then as I talk about it, I go, no, that's very similar. They are very similar. I've got, uh, yeah, I just have questions there. <laughs> that's all I have. Um, well, I don't know that I have questions, I guess. It just, it, this is easily one of the harder, um, or not harder, more challenging texts, teachings of Jesus to read. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, also, cause what is, what exactly is he's, cause he's being, I'm pretty sure he's being hyperbolic. So he's. He's he's heading towards the like saying ridiculous things, so you get how serious he is yeah. about sin. To, so to make a point, so we learn that Jesus then is serious about sin, um, like really serious, uh, and maybe maybe it's better to say he's serious about people entering the kingdom of God. Yeah, and that really is what he's talking about here because he kind of pairs, or uh, not pairs, but he puts the kingdom of God up against hell in yeah. some respects here, right? That it's either entrance into the kingdom of God or entrance into hell. Yeah. Um, I think that the, like even the idea of salt, and he uses salt, like salt in, di- he uses salt in different ways here. Yeah. So everyone will be salted with fire. It doesn't mean literal salt. Like it, it's like sprinkled, 
with fire is almost what it okay, sounds yeah. more like. Yeah. But then salt is good. Um, does If you've lost your saltiness, how will you make it salty again? That part is a little like, what? Yeah. <laughs> um, because I think what he's saying is salt is good and we need that in ourselves. And salt is actually used multiple times in the scriptures like that. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas fire is used o- almost always as some form of... Um, like an overcoming of sin or uh, purifying, purifying, refining, or, yeah. yeah, those sorts of things. Um, judgment, those sorts of like that's the sort of language. Yeah, but the way that he says it here, I find I find it difficult to read. Even I read it and I go, okay, I'm not sure. I'm not sure exactly what he's meaning. Yeah, everyone will be salted with fire. Um, now I think that the. Again, the use of fire has to be understood in in different ways, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's, he doesn't say everyone will be salted with hell. No. Right? So he's not no. saying everybody will go through hell. Everyone will have, have to taste hell. This idea of fire as a refiner, a judger, or a like giving over of mm-hmm. sin and mm-hmm. those things, mm-hmm. everyone will endure that to some extent. Yeah. Losing your saltiness usually in other metaphors in the scriptures does actually seem to be those that are cast into the fire. It's like the loss of saltiness, right? That's those have given themselves over because you can't gain it back, which is kind of me. It matches up with uh, a little bit of what he's saying before. Yeah. You can't gain it back. Like, if your hand's going to cause you to miss the eternal life, you can't gain it back later. Get rid of it if that's what it's going to cause you to miss eternal life. So don't miss it. Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean cut off your arm because your hand might cause you to sin. Yeah. Right? It's the thing that's causing you to sin. Cut it off. So again, talking about what the Pharisees were talking about before, it's not sending the guard out so far away that you can't even get close to the sin. It's saying that actual thing that's causing you to sin, get rid Tear of it. it out. Okay, yeah. Um, Because if you lose your saltiness, how do you gain it back? Because having saltiness in your life is good Mm -hmm. and it brings peace in some respects. There's some connection to peace. It's an absence of... And I think even goodness, like salt is good, not like... Maybe not that salt is good, but that he's saying like, what I'm saying about salt is it's goodness. Yeah. Like have goodness in yourself. Yeah. If you're, if you've lost your goodness, you've lost it entirely. How do you get it back? Yeah. And I, I yeah, it's interesting. So again, he continues on like, I, I'm sorry, I'm going to keep going unless yeah. you got more no, to say. No. I, I think that the into verse 10 or chapter 10 is really interesting because he then is doing a teaching on divorce and it's kind of a, uh, you know, they've traveled a bit, they've entered Judea and the Jordan crowds are gathering. Uh, and then he gets grilled by the Pharisees and they're trying to capture him in his own words. They're trying to get him to do something wrong as he always does. He turns it on them mm-hmm. <laughs> consistently. But again, he seems to once again, lay down a harsher rule. Yeah. Right. He goes to the heart of it and says, yeah, Moses did give you an out. Why? Because you're sinful. Here's the reality. Yeah. Right? And I think that this is part of it, is that the Old Testament, we see it as really harsh because of things like 
sacrifice hmm. of animals and those sorts of things. But when Jesus comes, he actually, he like knocks everything up a level. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes, yeah, you thought it to be here, but I'm saying this. And we think, of, you know, you can think of the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount in regards to that, especially. Yeah. Um, you think of murder, I think of ang- uh, hatred. You know, y- you think of adultery, I think of lust. And Jesus is revealing that this idea of who enters the kingdom and who doesn't enter the kingdom, the greatness and all of these things, that it actually goes way deeper than your actions, right? It goes into the deepest parts of you. It goes into like, he actually consistently goes beyond what the provisions have been made and says, but this right in, right in here, um, this is the heart of the matter. And so you want to know the real heart of God on marriage no divorce. Yeah. And now let me be clear. There may be those that are listening to this that have been divorced. I think that the scriptures are also clear later and in times that talk about in our sinful world, there is times where we can't get around these things. Mm -hmm. But what Jesus is trying to lay out for them is the heart of God on the matter is that when you are married to become one and that can't be separated. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have more to say on that. <laughs> <clears throat> well, okay. I have a question though. Sure. Why does he then, uh, so he says that to the Pharisees um, and ends with what therefore God has joined together. Let, not man separate. Mm-hmm. And then later in the house, the disciples ask him again about that. And he says, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her and vice versa. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, why does he save that for, or what, what's this little piece about being tacked on to the end there? Is that saying something new? Uh, so here's uh, this is a wonder mm-hmm. to me. I don't know, but I think what he's trying to talk about is that there are divorce. There, there's going to be divorce, mm-hmm. um, but in God's eyes, um, is kind of the whole point of what he's saying. Right now, the. What's there? Uh, it comes up a lot in our like in our day and age. This is a big deal right now. Is the idea of is marriage the same thing as what the world says marriage is? Yeah. Right. And so I think in this, it almost sounds like is divorce in God's eyes, like what He was telling the Pharisees, is that the same thing as what the world is going to say divorce is? And He's trying to say yeah, you can get divorced, but just remember that if you go and do this after that's how this is how it's viewed in God's eyes. Um, now I, again, there's provisions in the epistles around divorce, mm-hmm. right? So I don't want to undo it, but there's, a, I think there's a difference between divorce and like a, a, an annulment. Right. Um, and, and what has uh, in my head and what I've read. So we're talking about studies now reading into the scriptures here, but what has happened for me is that there seems to be a difference between what um, 
God would give his blessing to and what God would not give his blessing to in the sense of divorce and not divorce. And that's part of what Jesus is trying to rewrite here is that they go, well, more Moses said, you know, you could do it for these reasons. And he's going, he's going, well, that's because you're sinful. Mm-hmm. And if you do it for those reasons, this is the reality. Does that make sense? I'm being vague still. But. So Jesus is getting, Jesus is getting to the heart of the matter. Yeah. About the ideal. Yeah. Um, Whereas the Pharisees were content with Moses's law, which had some concessions in it. Yeah. It didn't mean that Moses made up that law. No. I don't mean it that way. No. And I think that God was in that. But what Jesus is saying is, do you realize that there's a, that beyond the letter of the law, there's a heart of the matter. Yeah. And yes, you can be right in the letter of the law, but that was only given to you because you're sinful beings. Mm Mm-hmm. And we want more for you than that. Which is what the earlier passage is saying too. If your eye causes you to sin, tear it out, get to the heart of the matter. What's the thing behind the thing? Yeah. Um, Cause it's, cause the eye causes you to sin, right? Yeah. So that's, that's part of like even the language and I guess maybe helpful for what I was trying to say before is that it actually isn't saying the same thing as the putting the fence around way outside of the actual place that sins. He's actually saying the opposite. Hmm. If your eye causes you to sin, get rid of it. If your hand causes you to sin, get rid of it. Right. So whatever it is in your life causing you to sin, get rid of it. Because he's getting to the heart of it. He's getting to the actual, like, Hmm. this is the spot. This is happening. Yeah, that is the opposite. Because he's not saying... The Pharisees then would have been saying, "Put a, if your hand causes you to sin, put a fence around it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so you can't <laughs> yeah. really use it. Yeah. Jesus just goes, no, if that's the thing causing you to sin, cut it out. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So then I think part of that second part, what I, I feel like is interesting is that he talks about, he's talking about ramifications, right? There's, there's sinful ramifications for doing something that was only given to you as a provision because of sin. Like, so I think of even like the idea of Paul talking about not everything is beneficial, but it's permit like, or permissible and beneficial, right? Mm-hmm. He talks about those things. Well, if we're constantly trying to do the things that might be permissible, mm-hmm. but aren't actually beneficial for us. Yeah. Well, what's the heart of the matter? Well, yeah. then we're living in this place that's not good for us, which is a sinful place to live. Yeah. Right. So it's almost like Jesus, again, getting deeper to the heart to go. You just need to see, like, if you're going to go for the provisions, if you're going to go for the, we only gave you provisions yeah. because you're sinful beings. <laughs> Cause yeah. Like that, that's not the ideal. Yeah. That's the provisions because we know, we know, but that's like, like, or like Paul saying, if I'm, if, you know, if grace is so good, should I just go around sinning some more? Yeah. And by no means. Yeah. By no means should I do that. I should live not in the permissible, but in the, what's in, yeah, what's go good. Go for the ideal. Go for the ideal. If you end up in the permissible, yeah. there's grace. There's, yeah. That's where grace comes in. Yeah. But it's, yeah. Which is really interesting. And I wonder if Mark is putting these things right after for this reason to counterbalance. Because he's going, hey, don't judge you know, if someone's out there trying out Jesus, 
like let them try out Jesus. Yeah. They're probably going to find out he's real. He's powerful. His way is worth following. Yeah. Um, you don't shut him down, <laughs> you know, don't judge. Well, he's not really in. Yeah. He's yeah. not really a part of the kingdom yet. Yeah. Um, you don't know that. Don't shut him down. Yeah. If he's not, for, if he's not against us, then, yeah. you know, play on. Yeah. Uh, but if you consider yourself in, <laughs> yeah. uh, let's talk about your heart. Yeah. Is your hand causing you to sin? Cut it out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Cause that's what, and then that's what he'll say to that guy when he's when in. When he's in. Yeah. <laughs> when he decides, when that guy realizes and yeah. And Which in a lot of, in a lot of ways, doesn't that take us back to that, to our last podcast where Jesus does all these amazing things to reveal, to lead to confession. And then he says, by the way, this is what life following me looks like. So you're right. You see me right now. I've revealed myself to you and you now see me correctly. And this is what it's going to cost you. Are you still in? Hmm. And, in, and I think he gives op- options. Is it a yes or a no? And I think we see even in the disciples, there was one that was like, I got some other stuff I'd rather have yeah. than continuing to follow Jesus. And there's, there's just people that say no. And I mean, we're actually getting into, right, the rich young man. Yeah. It's an, exa- it's an example of that. Uh, any more on divorce before we keep going? No. Okay. So we jump into then verse 13 through 16. It talks about the let the children come to me. Once again, this idea of who is it that Jesus wants in his kingdom? Who is he bring into his kingdom? Who are we supposed to help bring into his kingdom? Um, this has been longstanding, one of the key texts for uh, both child baptism, but or infant baptism, but also dedication. Hmm. So uh, if you ever study why some evangelical churches do dedication instead of baptism, this is one of their key texts. Interestingly enough, <laughs> it's also a key text for infant baptism. Um, this idea of bringing them to Jesus to put him in his hands, to be blessed, um, to be brought in as a child, uh, and not saying they must be something bigger, better, or different before they're able to come in. Um, again, that's a studied outside note. <laughs> Just realized I was going yeah, beyond that. I didn't know that. That's point. interesting. What does it mean um, for someone to receive the kingdom of God like a child? I mean, my, my gut in that, mm-hmm. and I, again, I've studied some of this before, but there is a level of innocence or it's without, even without wisdom, right? A child, a child just likes what they see and says yes, yeah. right? Yeah. They don't actually have all the details and jump in. Right. They jump in before they got all the details. They, uh, they love, they say, yes, they go, you're great. Mm-hmm. You don't have to prove anything to me. Right. Yeah. All of those yeah. things, um, which is a little bit opposite to some of our understanding mm-hmm. of what salvation looks like being brought into the kingdom looks like it does a little bit of war on our intellectual mindset mm-hmm. and those sorts of things in our current culture, because mm-hmm. it doesn't, this isn't that. Yeah. This is, well, let's wait until they do understand. Let's wait until they can make their decision. Let's wait until they, right, they have to have some level of intellectual understanding and want beforehand. Yeah. So I think that part of what I see here, which is interesting to me, 
is that there seems to be this idea of journey into the kingdom. Yeah. At times he talks about being entered into the kingdom like an event. And at times it seems like a journey. And I wonder if it's a little bit of both. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, theologically, I know there's a lot of backing to that, but just in the story, let's, if we're just talking about what we've been reading the last couple podcasts, um, actually all of this, right? There's been a story, there's been a journey that people have been on yeah. and it doesn't have to start with, um, can I make my mind up about Jesus? It's actually a journey of start like a child, mm-hmm. enter in young, not understanding wholeheartedly brought into the kingdom of God before you can even get it. Yeah. Does it mean there's a choice to be made in the midst of that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Am I going to continue to follow? Am I going to follow in the ways of the kingdom or am I going to act like the world? Right. He continually poses those to people, but he seems to say at the beginning, bring the children in, bring the innocent in, bring the people that don't get it in. Mm-hmm. Let the guy who doesn't really know cast out demons. Yeah. Right? He does this where that guy doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. Why does that matter? Bring him in. Huh. Which I think anyone that has kids out there, get your kids praying for people. Get your kids like, yeah. bring them in. Like let them try. Let them go. And uh, they can be fully functioning members even before they get it. Yeah. Right? And it'll like Jesus says about the man, if he's trying it and it works, he's going to want to stay in. Yeah. He's going to realize. So let's get our kids as young as they can be mm-hmm. trying it. Mm-hmm. Cause they're going to go, this works. This is good. Yeah. Of course I never want to do anything else. Yeah. I mean, I for one believe that children are the future. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just say, you know, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to move on. Uh, we, we are like, I hadn't, I hadn't referenced a terrible song in a while. So, um, we're going to have to do this last part quickly cause Let's we're long it. today. Oh, okay. Rich young man, uh, comes to Jesus. He's done all the right things. I haven't done these things. Jesus, I'm doing it right. Um, what do I need to enter the kingdom of God? Uh, what, what would you lack from me? And, or what do you think I lack? And Jesus actually explained that you lack one thing, but what is that thing? And I think it's the actual thing Jesus has been saying since chapter eight, he's saying you lack suffering. You lack reliance. You lack Mm. like these things that are key to following me. You have all of this goodness. So I want you to give it all up. I want you to enter in and follow me in the same way I asked everyone else to pick up their cross, give everyone else, give away your stuff. It's going to cause some suffering in your heart, but it's needed. It's good. Um, You're going to take care of others and your treasure will be in heaven. It won't be on this earth and that's okay. So that's kind of the first few verses of the last section here. Yeah. Um, there's two things I notice and, and obviously it's really cool how Mark has makes sure that this little section we did in this episode is wrapped up. 
because the last verse is, again, many who are first will be last in the last first. Yeah. So that's what this is about, this yeah. whole, everything in between it. Um, so that's neat. When Jesus responds to the man and says, you know the commandments, and starts quoting the Ten Commandments, you know, don't murder, commit adultery, et cetera, et cetera, lists six of the ten, hmm. and the guy's able to say, I've kept all those. Right. Jesus leaves out the ones about uh, have no other gods before me mm-hmm. and about the relationship with God and just mm-hmm. says, you know, the commandments don't, you know, kill anybody or don't commit adultery or covet yeah. or yeah. whatever. Actually, he didn't say covet, but um, I think the issue is the guy has been practicing the commandments about being a good person. Yep. hasn't been practicing the commandments about his relationship with God. Right. And so when Jesus says, points out, you, in saying, go sell all that you have and give to the poor, he, the man realizes he has other gods yeah. before Jesus. Yeah. Or, or these other gods are getting in the way of following yeah. Jesus. Yeah. The other thing that I had never noticed until just um, reading through it this time he says, uh, so the man says, I've kept all these from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Mm. Do this, tell everything, and then come follow me. Yeah. I've never, I don't know if that's anywhere else where it says that Jesus looked at someone mm. and loved them by saying mm. this. Right. Like, that's a, that's a really hard thing to do. Actually, okay, you know what else is a really hard thing to do? You know, the, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Yeah, yeah. But Jesus, looking at us, loves us and says to us, yeah. if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Yeah. And disheartened by the saying, I leave sorrowful <laughs> because I love my hand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's true, hey? And it's... It's interesting that Jesus can love you and lovingly give you a command and it disheartens you. Yeah. Yeah. And he, and he just continues to rewrite, right? Like, yeah. it, and then he explains and he says, those who have wealth, it's difficult to enter the kingdom. Mm. It's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. What? A camel through a needle, Jesus, like how yeah. nobody can do, like it's not possible. And he's like, okay, you realize anything's possible with God. Yeah. So don't say it's impossible. Yeah. It's just really not possible for human, like humanity. It's not possible for mankind. It, the flesh will not allow you to do that. It's only through submission to God that you can do it. And so when it doesn't start with that, having no other gods before me, when he's not God in our lives, we won't be able to do it. Hmm. And so that is the heart of the matter. God first. And he it's going to ask us to do hard things like stay in a relationship that's so broken. It feels like, well, actually, based on this stipulation, we can get out of this. Mm-hmm. And Jesus goes, you know what my heart would be? Don't. You know, Jesus, I'm having a real problem with this sin. You know what my heart would be? Cut it off. Mm-hmm. And instead, we want to do like Peter in the last podcast and say, Jesus, do you not realize how much suffering you're causing people? 
that is bad news. Yeah. Don't do that. And Jesus is like, I'm sorry, you're actually joined with the accuser here. Mm-hmm. This is the truth, and I need you to enter into it. I'm not coming to you to enter into your understanding. Hmm. I'm asking you to enter into my understanding. And so he continues this difficult, impossible thing that is impossible unless we make him first, mm-hmm. unless he is the one leading us. So, you know, he goes on to say there's, uh, there's no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions mm-hmm. and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and last first. And I just think he's... He's promising us a new family. He's promising us a new life, a new way. And it doesn't look anything like we expected. And it won't be the powerful and it won't be the wealthy. It doesn't exclude them, but it won't be them. It'll be those that are submitted, those that make him the God first, that makes that say yes to his truth, that submit all things to him that are willing to cut off what needs to be cut off, sell what needs to be sold, rebuke what needs to be rebuked, pray what needs to be prayed, follow in his ways completely and fully. And those people will be first into the kingdom. Easy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Real easy. Well, I think that was so well said that that's probably all that needs to be said. <laughs> well, we did it in only 55 minutes that oh, time. Oh, good. So, Record uh, time. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for sticking with us if you did, because most of you probably stopped at 38 minutes or yeah. earlier. If you're listening to this, send one of us a text and there will be a prize. That's a good point. We will actually, Jordan and I, you know what we should do? What? Okay. If you're still listening to this, <laughs> I'm making this up on the spot. Hopefully Jordan's okay I'm with in. it. We're 53 minutes and 44 seconds in. If you're still listening to this and you haven't turned it off yet, send both Jordan and I a text message. Or if you don't know us very well, send it through Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Twitter, whatever you can. And we're going to put you on one of our podcasts on here to do a cathedral library reading together. What if there's a lot of people still listening, though? There won't what be. What if there's a <laughs> There won't be. <laughs> I don't trust any of you. <laughs> there, we're not going to get one message. Because um, half these people don't want to be on here either. That's well, my we'll thought. We'll find out. We'll find we out. We have a lot more podcasts to do. I can't wait. Uh, so if there's people listening to this, do it. And we're going to get you on one. And we're going to hear what you read when you go into the scriptures and we're going to do it together. Great. Uh, I'll talk to you guys soon.